No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Welcome to another fantastic edition of Word Bros. I'm Kevin. I'm Bob France. What's up, everybody? Uh, we have a very, very special guest. Two special guests. Two. Actually. We have more than one. Yes. Yeah. We have the uh, the boys behind White Ass, Charlie Stickney, and Connor Hughes, who are wonderful, wonderful guys. Just good dudes, man. Just good dudes. And funny guys, too. And we talk about romantic comedies and how that plays into Twin Peaks and Elves and Mordor. Yeah, so you want to stick around. It's a good episode. If you want some hot information about Kickstarter and maybe ways to run good Kickstarter campaigns, Charlie's your guy to talk to. If you just want to hear quality conversation from a guy with a very soothing and calm voice, Charlie's your man. Charlie's your man. And Connor's a good guy too. So uh, let's get to that right now. Kickstarter extraordinaire, overall wonderful dude. What is your official title at Scout? Because I always blow it, Charlie. Oh, that's okay. You know, I, I always make it up. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, for now, I like to call myself co-publisher. Okay. It, it sounds regal. And that way uh, I get to throw some credit over uh, David Burns' way as well. Okay. Co-publisher um, and comic creator, Charlie Stickney and Connor Hughes. They are the creative team behind the smash hit runaway successful super fantastic white ash which is live right now on kickstarter charlie connor how's it going <laughs> hey there well i i mean like i i think it would be disgenuous to say anything other than great yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um i mean i i think you know for for all of us you know we approach kickstarter with with hope and also a lot of trepidation um, so when you have one of these runaway campaigns, um, you have to really be appreciative, uh, and, and both Connor and I are, cause we know, you know, this doesn't happen to everybody and it's not the easiest thing to do. And so for the fact, you know, that we're having such a successful Kickstarter, you just have to enjoy the ride and say, wow, we're lucky. Let's see if we can share some of that glow with some other people. Yeah. I, I mean, think it's- It'd be different if that was your first runaway Kickstarter, though, Charlie. The, you, you you approach it with a amount of you, you and and Connor both approach it with amount of humility that uh, that is really comforting to see. But like, how did how did it get to that point for you? Like, it was it just numerous campaigns? Like, what's your secret? What, what's the secret sauce, Charlie? Well, well, I mean, I always like to say Connor Hughes is the secret sauce. You know, he, he, he helps, you know, lubricate those Kickstarters to go really well uh, with beautiful art. But no, no, I mean, seriously, I think the, the one of the best things, if you want to build an audience on Kickstarter, it's consistency. It's you put a book out, you make it good, you deliver it, and then you wash, rinse, and repeat. And yeah. if, if you can do that in a, you know, a couple of, like, our biggest jump was from our second Kickstarter through our fourth when we did three in one year. And oh, each wow. one of those, you know, we, we, we knocked out, we delivered, people loved them, and, and our audience kept growing. So, you know, I think that right there, for me, is the secret. As long as you keep delivering things that people like, they keep coming back. Um, but you can't leave them hanging for like two or three years in between projects because they forget about you. Mm-hmm. you know, they, they find the, um, the, the more attractive younger Kickstarter to go out with. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, and, and I think, you know, we, we want to be that um, attractive younger Kickstarter for, for the new people who are coming to the platform. Yeah, it's it's impressive, man, because it seems to me like you guys are more Kevin and I's approach to Kickstarter has always been we're going to do an entire trade paperback in one fail swoop. You like to piecemeal it together with issues one, issues one and two, issues one through three. Have you found that that's been more successful for you because you've been able to stay on the platform to continue to grow your audience? 
Well, you know, I'll, I'll say it's it's two things. One, um, it, if if I said to Connor, "Hey, Connor, we're going to do a uh, hundred and sixty pages, and we have to deliver those," Connor, right. what would you say to me? <laughs> uh, that's pretty intimidating, you know. Certainly, I mean, I've had I've had friends who have worked on you know these kind of graphic graphic novel sized projects, and and it, it's, it's it can be an exhausting process depending on what it is. So. You know, I think keeping the issues uh, in, in, a, in our version of a shorter length, which is actually a longer issue, you know, I think it, it's for us, I think it's the best of both worlds in the sense that, you know, the, the audience is getting a good a good chunk of story uh, with a nice, uh, typically a nice uh, climax or a cliffhanger. And um, then they can be ready to go into the next issue. Yeah. And, I, and it also makes it a lot easier for us to deliver on time because, yes. you know, if, if you have 10 or 15 pages done, and you're promising a 130, 140, 150 page book, things happen, things happen in life and we don't know how long that's gonna to take to get done. Now, if Connor and I are working on something and he's 30 pages into a 40 page book that we're gonna deliver, we have a good sense of, of, of how late, uh, you know, in a worst case scenario that's gonna be, it's gonna be a couple of months and then, you know, we get the book out and we can do another one. Mm -hmm. um, so so I, think, I think, you know, for that perspective, it's great. Uh, and then going back to, you know, building momentum. And it's, it's the same thing with having like a monthly book in a store. Um, when you have that book on the shelves and people see your name every month, they start knowing who you are. They start trusting you because they've seen you come back. Oh, and other people are backing your project. So if they keep being on there and they keep delivering, it becomes a brand thing. Um, you know, like the politicians that are elected again and again and again, just because people have heard of them. Not because they have any idea what they, you know, stand for or what they do, but like that's that incumbency bump that they get. And I feel like for, for us, constantly being on Kickstarter, we're getting a little bit of that incumbency bump. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's a it's a, a recipe that has proved successful. I mean, I always go back to Ring of Fire. The ring, uh, what is it? Is it uh, Rings of Skies Fire? Of, Skies, Skies of, of Fire. Fire. Skies of Fire was another one that did it that way. I know our good buddy and mutual friend. Pat Shane does a lot of his Kickstarters that way too. And, and I mean, you guys with your white ash, I mean, it's just, it's fun to watch the momentum just go. Cause again, Kevin and I have no vested interest in your project. Like we're not secret investors. We're not secret creators, but I'll be damned if I don't hop on your Kickstarter page as soon as it launches and then go back three hours later and I'll text Kevin, holy shit, do you see what they're up to now? And it's like, for me, it's almost like, it's like I'm rooting for the home team because you guys are such good dudes. You're such great people and you're so talented at the craft. It'd be different if it was just, cause I know Charlie, you like to say that, oh, it's just L, it's just TNA elves. It'd be different if it was just <laughs> TNA elves, but the book is so good, which I think, is paramount to all of it. If well, the book I, sucked, nobody would care. I, I, I do think, you know, to that point, what's been really exciting for me is, you know, this White Ash campaign is our is not our TNA elves, right? We, we have two different lines. We have the Glarian line, which is a little bit more adult. And this is the White Ash line, which is more of a PG-13 book. And right now we're tracking to have a bigger campaign um, than the last Glarian issue, which is crazy. Uh, and, and, and great, because like, like I said, I, like you just said, I think people are buying into the story. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I really appreciate hearing you guys rooting for us in that way. And I think that's one of the places where Kickstarter differs in the direct market. I do feel like creators root for each other on Kickstarter. And I, I'm constantly trying to champion other projects on Kickstarter because, you know, that's just the creators doing their thing. Right. That there's no company that they're they're shilling for or that, you know, is trying to immediately turn it into something. That's someone trying to make their book and deliver it to people. And it's straight from the source. And, you know, the more I can do to champion other creators doing that, who are good people, who do the same, it's a community and everyone wants to help out. And I think that's the most important thing about it too, is people need to realize that it is a community. Like Kickstarter is its own little universe. And when you do Kickstarter, you're not just, you're not just supporting you just can't run a book out there and you've never backed anybody else's stuff. You've never promoted anybody else's stuff because you're bound to fail. You need to, to be active in the Kickstarter community. Yeah. And, and we really do, you know, root for each other. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are about to launch campaigns. I time backer updates. 
so I can give them press when you know they get ready to launch. So it it is. It's, it's a very tight knit community that believes in each other, that's trying to support each other. And I think that's that's the other thing, you know, other than like being repeatedly on Kickstarter, is build that community, be a good person, try to help other people. And, and this, you know, I know. <laughs> But it works here. You know, I think there's a lot of places in life where you, you're like, oh, I'm going to do that. And they step on you. Um, in Kickstarter, people really kind of have your back. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I think everyone on Kickstarter, they're, they're, they're trying to bring their own homegrown project to the platform, which I think, I think that's what creates that kind of community in the sense that, you know, we're all here just for the love of, of this kind of project. Um, as opposed to maybe, I, well, I'm not going to say publishing is not like that, but it, it gets a little more complicated. Right. It's like, look, I think all of us right now really feel bad for Brian Polito, you know, and we want to make sure his next Lady Death campaign will, will cross that million dollar barrier. Um, and, and, and so, you know, we, we feel bad for him that he hasn't hit that yet. So I think we're all going to band together next time for him. We should do like a, like a Jerry Lewis telethon for Brian Polito's next book just to make sure, like, really get it over the line. For Only him. if you wear a sparkly tux, Bob. I mean, dude, I mean, don't tempt me, Kevin. I think it'd be amazing. Don't next time. Next time we get nominated for a Ringo Award, I'll 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 join you. I'll even I'll even bejewel the hat. We'll do that. I do feel like a live stream telethon for somebody else's Kickstarter. People would love, right? Like just even just as a bit. I don't know. Did you see? Um, I forget her real name, but I know her Twitter profile is so energy. Um, I can't remember her real name, but she's running a kickstarting like a Kickstarter campaign on her own website. Like, Marie Anger. That's what it is. She's taking like pre-orders for something that she's she's calling it. It's like she does. It's very cute. She does Kickstarter, then she kind of crosses it out, and then pre-sale on her own website. And I thought that was a really interesting kind of. Uh, kind of method to go about it because i know some people were a little upset with the whole blockchain thing and what's your opinion about that connor how do you feel about the whole kickstarter blockchain thing are you is it something that's going to drive you away from the platform or are you guys here to stay um i mean as far as i'm concerned i i haven't i didn't i haven't heard anything about kickstarter associating with blockchain you're saying some kind of nft or something or uh, or, they're uh, using the blockchain technology for something mm -hmm. or other. I don't fucking know, man. Uh, it's it's hard to get outraged about comics all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's generally my flaws. I just I keep out of that stuff. But you know, I mean, if they're if they're gonna basically, they're probably just using blockchain. Blockchain's the new um, new pop word or a new, a new hype word for various like normal regular technologies that they're probably using. So I, you know, I if if you just ask me based on you know. The fact that I know nothing, which so why why would why would I think matter? But, <laughs> but um, you know, it's probably just a flash in the band, sort of like trying to get people's attention, type of thing. I like it. Uh, I think I, yeah, well, Connor, I think often just keeps his head down and does yeah, the drawing for sure. <laughs> <laughs> where where I, I interact more with the platform and the people, and I, I do think there was a lot of outrage because if you know, I don't know if you've seen this before, but sometimes on the internet, people get outraged. No, um, never. And, and, <laughs> That's um, not what the internet's for. Yeah, and like, like you know, Kickstarter put out an announcement about a potential plan down the road in two years, you know, where they said yeah. we're exploring this technology and people were like, we got to stop doing Kickstarter because they're doing NFTs. And I, like, that wasn't the case. They're not even doing <laughs> this new technology yet. Like, and if you've been part of Kickstarter for as long as I have, it takes them like eight months to roll out a minor update to their website. So right. <laughs> migrating their entire platform over to a new platform just seems like something that, you know, best case is 10 years down the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, and so like, like, and who knows what, you know, that will be then. So I'm not going to get outraged over some hypothetical. Um, you know, what I can control is, you know, what Connor and I, you know, together decide to do with our book. You know, I'm, I'm not looking to explore NFTs right now of White Ash. That's not something I'm looking to do. Um, but that, like, like I said, if a platform says they're investigating something, to me, that's not the reason to go crazy about them. Um, and I think that's what people did. I think there was a lot of you know, knee-jerk reactions, which, again, surprisingly happens online. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that you know, has caused, I think, a lot of creators to lose money. Um, 
Because right now, if you want to crowdfund your book, in my experience, the place that you will make the most money doing that is Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would love there to be other alternatives. So it's not a monopoly and it's not the only game in town. But from what I've seen, it's the only game in town. But especially so, for you, because you've already built up an audience on Kickstarter to have to try to migrate those people on Kickstarter to a whole other platform. Who knows how many of those potential backers you could lose because I don't want to have to put my credit card information on another site. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. They're already there. They're already eating at that table. Why try to get them to move to another restaurant? Well, and it's also, it's not even just like my backers, you know, with quotes around them because obviously they're their own people. Um, You know, we, we have fans, but every campaign, like half the people who come in are brand new. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like Kickstarter has such a large user base when your project goes live and it's doing well, you're in front of hundreds of thousands of, of new people every day who can, can buy in. And some of these new crowdfunding platforms might have, you know, 3000 total subscribers, yeah. you know, people who have entered their thing. So it's, 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 it's not even a fair comparison. Um, so even if I was to say, move my, you know, if we were like say the next one was going to be on Zoop, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we might get four or five hundred White Ash fans who would follow us there. Um, we would get the diehards, and that's great. And it, it, it's an amazing thing to be able to say we probably would have four to five hundred people who would follow us. That said, we're not going to get the other five hundred to seven hundred or eight hundred people who come in organically through Kickstarter. Yeah. So you know, right now we're at nine hundred plus backers a week into the campaign, um, I am sure that of those 900 backers, yeah, I know, right? Um, (laughs) 300 of them are at least brand new people who came just through Kickstarter and we wouldn't get that. So, I mean, and that's not to denigrate these other platforms. I want them to grow. I want them to be, you know, viable alternatives. But I think right now, especially if you're a young creator, it's tough. It's it's, it's really tough (laughs) if if you're not going to a place that has the people. I feel like we've talked about Kickstarter enough. Let's talk about the book, okay? Let's talk about White Ash. For those of you who don't know, Charlie, because say there could be people listening to this podcast who have no idea what White Ash is. Give us the uh, give us the elevator pitch, dude. Let's hear it. Well, like the, the quick pitch, I always go back to it's uh, Romeo and Juliet meets Lord of the Rings in rural Pennsylvania, or imagine the guys from Supernatural got stuck in Riverdale. And rather than battling demons from hell, had to deal with the worst of Mordor. Um, you know, so it's 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 grounded fantasy. Um, Amy from um, Pulp Seven One Six likes to say it's True Blood meets Twin Peaks. Oh, that's um, good. All right, mm-hmm. with a little yeah, bit of Lord of the Rings as well. You know, thrown in for good measure. So like, it, it has all of those things. It's grounded fantasy in a teeny coal mining town set in uh, you know White Ash, which is about forty five minutes north of Pennsylvania. All right, I dig that. So, so where are we picking up with the new Kickstarter? Like, what's the what's the what's the story moving forward? How are we moving this thing here? Well, I, I think one of the, the great things, you know, for me personally, is that Kickstarter has given us the ability to keep expanding the world. So, for the first first arc of the book was about this young guy named Alec, who finds out that you know he, he comes from a family of coal miners, and he finds out that's not really who he is. That's not who his family is. And, you know, the first arc of the book is about him embracing that legacy or, or leaving it behind, like a lot of us have to do, you know, when we decide, do we want to embrace who our parents were or do we want to move on and do our own thing? Uh, so the second arc is now that all the players are established, we're getting to play in the world and we're bringing in new people and new characters and just blowing everything up. And I think for me, one of the best parts is like, I can start describing a character and then Connor goes crazy with the visuals and then like that feeds into the story going forward. Uh, and I love that dynamic of being able to work with someone like Connor, who is building the world, uh, you know, visually the same way um, with the same amount of care and consideration that I do when sort of crafting the story. Now, Connor, when, when you get the scripts from Charlie and, and everything, are you, are you getting full scripts and is it like, full of details uh, uh, what he wants these characters to look like or, or is this is this more of a collaborative process where you guys work it out and you you're sending back and forth drawings and stuff 
I'd say there's definitely some bits where uh, Charlie has the, uh, like a vision for a certain scene where I think mm-hmm. he wants to sort of it to go in a certain way, and then then he might get he might like dictate a little bit about you know how 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 the panels should be arranged or something like that. But I, for the most part, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it bare bones, but I'd say I'd say he he hints rather than explicitly says, and I think the hint uh, allows your imagination to kind of like work and like chew it over. And and then like then what's then what com- happens on the page is something that's like a little more uh, genuinely creative than say if, if like if there was like literal dictation oh like uh, for this for this specific shot or this specific uh, expression or whatever you know he lets be you know he knows that I know the characters and I know what he's what he's doing with the characters and like how like you know there might be several layers to whatever their emotion they're experiencing at the time or whatever they're trying to communicate whatever they're not communicating and so he you know he lets me read those things into the script and then i try and i probably try and bring them to the bring them to the page i imagine this is what the sixth issue you guys have done together right is that is that correct well it depends on how you break them down okay Uh, because like originally it was on kickstarter as four issues but each of those issues were 52 pages, 28 pages, 32 pages, 40 pages. Okay. So it's a lot of comics there. The, the issue we did after that was another 44 pages. Okay. Um, and so this, this is two more issues for another 60 plus pages of book. So it's, it's a lot of pages we've done together. The other thing I like to you know, think about when I'm working with Connor is, you know, these are his characters too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I give them some words, I give them some actions, but Connor's the actor. He does the posing. He knows how Lillian stands. He knows how Alex stands. He knows what, you know, the, the body language is all Connor. Um, he knows what camera angles are going to capture that best. He's creating environments that are just as much a part of the story as, you know, the, anything that I'm writing. So together we're creating something fuller. And then obviously I want to give a shout out to, to Finn Krem, who does the color work, because he also brings in a whole nother level of emotion um to, to you know to everything that we've done too and he's he's a right. great collaborator to work with well that was going to yeah. be my question like uh what are, what are the connor what do the scripts look like do does charlie just kind of get out of the way and just let you kind of run free because i imagine you guys have to have like a wicked shorthand at this point because you've been doing this book together for so long oh. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'd say some some bits, you know, are going to be more explicit. But for the most part, you know, yeah, I mean, he what he knows to do is he knows to it, 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 to leave things left the leave the things that need to be left unsaid unsaid, and that way, you know, your imagination can feed into those things. And yet, there's also all the building blocks necessary in the script to to like really let that happen. So if you if you got some uh, a script that was like real bare bones and and didn't really have those things going on you would have to bring a lot to the table i don't have to bring you know much to the table you know uh, really because it's it's there suggested in the script and then i'm just sort of trying to tease it out bring it out that's how i think of it anyway well and i I think like again like what you're saying is i don't need to go too much into the motivations for the scene because connor knows these characters now Mm. right you know he knows some of these sets that he's already built so i don't you know if there's something specific that needs to be showcased in the scene, I'll make sure he knows that. And then he can sort of plan around that. Um, and, and Connor has carte blanche to, to change things if, if need be, if he wants to delete a panel, if he wants to add a panel. So I'll just give, you know, I, I will break things down into panels on the page, but again, he'll, he'll change it and make it better. Um, and, and so I think when, when you've worked with someone long enough who feels the same kind of level of ownership, it's just a collaboration um, that, that I feel comfortable about. And I think, you know, you guys have done two Metal Shark Bro books with Walter, right? I'm sure like it becomes easier the longer you work with him too. Oh yeah. Um, to create something great. Walter does all the work. We just, Kevin and I just. <laughs> well, we just mainly try and write jokes and Walter even does yeah. some of that. So we just take could... the awards, baby. That's all we do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Someone has to be the face and have the shelf space to put the awards. True. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the thing I was going to say was in reading the first volume, like the one thing I thought you guys both did a really great job on that I think um, bears uh, like attention, uh, like brought to it is like there's a very like cool uh, way that 
Connor is drawing the um, uncomfortable teen romance between Lillian and Alec. Like they're like kind of stumbling through their, their romance. And I think the dialogue and the way that the, the character acting on the page is done is, is superb. So uh, I really enjoyed those scenes where those characters are awkwardly uncomfortable in situations of like growing up and being a teen. Um, so like, was there a lot of thought that went into that or like, or, or is that, or are you just digging in your own experience there, Connor? Are you an, <laughs> are you an awkward lover? Is that's what Kevin's asking you? Are you an awkward lover? Do you not feel that's comfortable exactly what in, I was asking, in, yes. in, in, in teen <laughs> romance situations? <laughs> you could definitely get a no comment on how successful, how, how, uh, how, how like smooth my operations were back in, in teenage years. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, um, I would say it was there in the script and I, I sort of tried and teased out the, the fact that, I mean, I wouldn't say these characters are incredibly, um, incredibly n- new to this, to this con- the concept of romance, but they, what they are is they're completely enamored with each other. And I think right. you know, maybe, that's... maybe that's what, maybe that's what um, is coming, that's... coming across in the page. And I think it's getting, <laughs> I think that's getting better as the, as the, um, as the, as, as like our books are proceeding. You know? I think you did well, a really great. Know. Oh, I'm sorry. I think you did a really great job, Connor, though, of 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 toying with the tension there because there was you could feel it. Like as a reader, you could just feel the tension between those two characters. And and again, to piggyback what Kevin was saying, I thought it was brilliantly done, man. To, uh, to hear your flowers, take them and enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think so. For instance, in the first volume, when I think the scene where Alex and Lillian's bedroom just before the explosion occurs. I, I, I guess I can say a spoiler for the first volume. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, that I think that scene's really good at, because there's there's this uh, there's several layers to their their dialogue where like you know at once they're both smitten with each other and at the other side they're resenting each other and that's coming into conflict in, in the, that's coming out in the way Alex suddenly like snaps at her. And um, so I, you know, I think I think it's right there in script, really. You know, Charlie listen, makes it easy. Listen to that. He's giving Charlie all <laughs> the credit. He's like, oh man, it's so easy to do with a guy like Charlie writing this stuff. What a great guy he is, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. I will say I will say this. Like, I think um, you know, my background before you know, back in the day. Was was I, I did a lot of work um, specs and you know things that have been optioned and put together on romantic comedies, you know like that's that's the kind like that was going to be my sweet spot. I wanted to be the romantic comedy movie guy, um, and then they killed the genre, the genre and stopped making those. <laughs> pretty much, you know, like like right after Click, like there was a dead spot where unless you had like three actresses, you weren't getting your movie made. Um, so I always love that push and pull, um, that tension uh, of. Of, of will they or won't they, you know, you're waiting to see what's going to happen, but that's so conditional upon the actors being able to pull it off. So bringing that to a comic is really dicey unless you have someone like Connor who on the visual side can make it work. So like, like I, you know, like there's a lot of things. It's the same thing with comedy. Like what you guys do is so hard. It's so hard bringing comedy to a comic because comedy is about timing. The same thing as, as, as romance right? It's, it's about timing, but how do you show timing on a page? Um, and so the dialogue has to be just right. And the artist who's, who's laying out the scene has to be just the right artist who also understands the comedic beats or understands, in this case, the romantic beats. And so I think, you know, like when I look at your books, which, you know, are hysterical, the thing that always lands is the comedy because the timing is there. Um, right. and, and I think that's what Connor was able to tease out of a lot of these things was to take to, to get the essence of what I was trying to do with the banter back and forth and present that in a visual form. Now it's fun that you, uh, you and you can listen to you. You're always so smooth and you're always like, you guys are great too. Like you're so, you're, you're see, I can tell, I can tell that you're a really good dad. Like, cause you just got that, like, and you guys do a great job too. And it's really awesome. Like you're good. You're good at throwing the compliments around. Now you mentioned you were the romantic comedy guy. So I got to ask you, What's your favorite romantic comedy of all time? If you had to pick one, I know it's really tough because again, it's such a huge genre. What would your most favorite one be? Groundhog Day. Wow. 
That's yeah. a good answer. That is right. a good one. And yeah. you said it so quickly, like you were just like Groundhog Day. That's it, right there, boom, like, right. That's... I mean, like I, I think Groundhog Day is one of the most perfect movies ever made. Um, okay. Because because I just I love all the things that it integrates uh, in terms of the script, and um, and that there's so much set up there. Um, you know, like it's in the same vein for me as as Back to the Future. Back to the okay. Future's Back to the Future's the perfect film. It is a perfect yeah, like movie. so, like like Back to the Future, but it's not a romantic comedy. No, if it's romantic, not. No. Like if you had asked me, like what's what's you know one of the most perfect films ever? I think Back to the Future is is maybe the best made film from start to finish, where everything pays off visually, thematically with the script. It's brilliant. Um, but like in terms of romantic comedies, I think you know Groundhog Day is is right up there because structurally it's brilliant. Um, and all the things that they've done. And that's a film that, you know, the script went through lots of iterations to, to reach that final form. Um, so, you know, I, and I think Bill Murray brings a lot to everything that he does, both, you know, good and bad, like he is chaos incarnate. Oh yeah, totally. Um, you know, and, and so like, there's that too. Uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of other romantic comedies that- Give I think, me some, let me hear them. Because uh, I love, I mean, I was a big fan of romantic comedies as well. Like it's, it was a great genre that again, you don't really see a lot of anymore. Sure, Overboard, sure. Bob, but not the remake. Yeah. <laughs> With Kurt Rudd, it's, it's good. Yeah, Overboard. I mean, like I, you know, like there's, there's little places in my heart for that whole 90s vein of things like serendipity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just like, I, again, it's not a great, great film, but, but there's all these things in it that work really well um, i will say where uh one of my first dates was we we went to see uh how to lose a guy in 10 days but i, I don't remember the movie that much <laughs> all right all right how to lose a guy in 10 days that's the it that's worked, it worked. kate hudson's in that right isn't kate hudson in that one <laughs> i don't i don't remember i, mean, I think it's see. matthew mcconaughey isn't it let me see and and kate I, gotta Hudson. Google it. I mean i mean if you want to go back i mean like i loved uh it happened one night um i don't think i've ever seen that one that's uh I think it's uh, Kate Hudson. Clark, All right. Yeah, Clark Gable. Like, like it's a, like a 1930s okay romantic comedy, um, and and I had my own version of something like, you know, that was inspired by that. But it's basically like these these two people on a trip who get trapped together on a train, and, right? Um, you know, they're on a train. Well, they, they, they on a train. On a train. They're on a train, and then they get into a like because it, it was one of those like they end up having to take a hotel room together. Yeah, I've seen like this. the 1930s yeah. was like. Yeah. You yeah. couldn't believe it. So they have to put like a wall up between the two of them. Um, you know, oh, so it's planes, trains, and automobiles, but with just Clark Gable and <laughs> it's, it's it's Clark Gable and Claudette Goldberg, yeah, I believe Colbert, is her name. Yeah. yeah, Colbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that in film appreciation class in college. It was really good. Yeah, you know, like, like I so I think you know uh, there are a lot. Like I even like the the romantic banter and a lot of the the Bogart Bacall. Mm-hmm. films i mean like so like there's there's different bits but for me i think it was whenever you're taking um like i like the little bit of, of genre romance um where there's a little bit of magic associated with it because i i think you know for me as a storyteller i'm always looking for something more um like what is there beyond the world that we have uh because i i grew up in a really small town in maine and you know you'd be walking around you're like this can't be it like this has got to be, <laughs> please, dear God, let there be something other than these people and this town. Um, and I think like anytime you come from a small town, like you, you dream big and then you go to a big city, you're like, yes, this is it. And then you're there for a couple of years and you're like, wait a minute, what, what, what else is there? Um, and, and, and so for me, like adding that level of magic or what else can be in the world um, is, is always interesting. It's funny that you should mention that because I think your main character in the first arc, Alex, suffers from some of that. Like he's got that very much I gotta get out of here kind of vibe. So it's interesting to see you kind of take that from your real life and put it into your book. Is that something that you like to do a lot? Like do you take real life situations, real life conversations that you may have with your wife or your kid or and throw them in the book because you find them amusing? I, I don't think, um, you know, my conversations with my kids are that amusing, except for other people who are watching <laughs> us have to have them. Um, but uh, no, no, I, I think um, I think we're all inspired by our experience and it shapes the kind of questions we ask. 
in the writing that we do. Um, and, and, and you know, if, if we spend too much time drilling down into why we write the things that we write, sometimes that can go to a very sad, dark place. So maybe it's best just to, you know, just take a step back and say, yeah, yeah, that's inspired by my childhood without thinking about your childhood too much. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I, I think um, I do. I do have that theme that runs through a lot of the things I write, where it is, you know, to do, to make it a little bit more um, definable for for uh, it's, it's like that same thing, like the Harry Potter, you know, oh, he lived this horrible life and he realized there was this magical world, mm-hmm. um, but like the better version of of all of that, um, but the less profitable one. Yes, um, but so. the the less the the more friendly one to LGBTQ people. So right. t- take what you want from that, you know. But and then I also think that you know, I mean, Connor, would you say that when you, I mean, how much do you draw on from experience when you draw? Um, you know, I mainly it, where the experience comes into play would be um, posing and like mannerisms and like precisely how a thing is being said you know and then you know because that i mean that's what if you're going to draw a comic if you're going to have comics you know you want the visuals to inform the dialogue and so it's not just like uh you know x character does x thing and and says x uh you know in 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 that exact same way you know if you 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 can create if you can create multiple layers of the dialogue if you have things that contradict each other with with how things are being said so the point is uh yeah real life experience coming from how like those mannerisms and so forth is is the main thing but as far as the character you know character like alex fundamental character yeah i mean i can definitely get the vibe that you were you were communicating from um from the script and i i i wouldn't say i had the same sort of thing growing up but i can definitely get the sense of like coming to a big city and then and seeing like well is this all there is to it you know and what else is there because I mean, the art rips, dude. Like Connor, you did a, you did a fantastic job with just the character designs and the the background sceneries, and like it really feels like 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 it's a lived in place. Like you did a really great job with that. And I'm not, there's no question there. I just want to gush at you and tell you how good of a job you did with that book because it's really beautiful, man. Thank you. I mean, you know. I- a lot of effort and to try and like uh bring out the verisimilitude of the uh Whoa, hang on oh, now he's using big words now. Shit, i gotta google hey, that trouble one. how do you spell that uh, don't ask me um yeah just just like the like the making it because this is supposed to be based on a real place and and i think that's what i think that's what i think gives the story a lot of strength is that you know it's it can be a very real story even if it does involve these elves and dwarves and various things so um you know that's what i think is important for the story and then as far as um uh, i lost my train of thought there (laughs) i'll I'll, I'll sort of piggyback on the gushing about connor um like the the art is continuing to get better that's awesome from, from issue to issue like the stuff that he's doing now i'm not saying that the other stuff looks like dog crap in comparison but um you know it's so so good like it was good in the beginning and now it's just next level yeah um but but when you listen to connor talk you can tell how much he considers everything he draws and you know as a writer when you have someone that's your partner who's thinking about what they're doing as much as you are it's or more it's it's an amazing thing um and you know connor will sometimes draw like three amazing versions of the same page because he's not satisfied with how the panel layout came down or that it's not hitting the beats right, you know? And, and just to see it, it's like, yeah, I don't like this one. I'm like, no, it's great. And he's like, no, it can be better. And, and so when you're working with someone who's pushing you like that on the art side, it makes you want to be a better man. It's true. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Connor, are you working traditionally or are you, or is that digital? And then, and then that's why you're, you're willing to redo it. Yeah, I mean, if it was traditional, I, that would not be a, a, as much of an option. <laughs> I mean, I can't, uh, you know, it's mainly just trying to see I, your I, level of dedication, friend. <laughs> right, right, so absolutely. you're saying we get this done quicker if you did it traditionally. Uh, uh, no, I won't get that for now. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I, I haven't, I don't think I've ever redrawn whole pages, but definitely panels and so forth. 
and that's just that's just part of the process, really. Although it is much the uh, chagrin, oftentimes, of, of of Twitch viewers that that come into our channel and <laughs> they're seeing me redraw the same thing over and over. Oh, you guys are on Twitch. How so we can see this on Twitch? Oh, oh yeah, Connor draws a lot of stuff on Twitch, and when he says like the viewers, these are other artists who wish they could draw, like Connor can Damn, draw. Son. Now and you he's just like, talk, now you just talking cash shit. Listen to that. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 no, no, I mean like, like you know, it's like. There are people who can draw as well as Connor, but there's plenty of people who can't. Yeah, and yeah, some yeah, of them yeah. show up in the stream and Connor's like, ah, this isn't good enough. And you can just like see from their chats, like their mind is blown because they would love to be able to blow, you know, be able to draw like this thing that this guy just was like, eh, it's not good. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that's like, again, it's that level of dedication to, to the craft, to the thing that you're building that we all aspire to in comics. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're a writer, Find a collaborator who cares as much about what you're doing as, as you do. And I think that comes down to realizing that they are a collaborator, making sure that you know, the, the, the money split, that whatever money is there is, is being split, that you are partners on this endeavor, because you know, there are very few projects that are going to make bonkers money anywhere. Um, so then it's about love and it's about telling the best possible story. So you need to have a team that's going to work with you to do that. So find someone who cares. Now that's the hard part. So where did you guys hook up at? Let's hear that story. Um, Reddit. <laughs> really? <laughs> you guys met on Reddit? That's so awesome. I feel like I feel like Charlie was channeling my response rate there, which is just a, a single word answer. Oh, Reddit. <laughs> so how um, did that? How did that work? How did you guys pull that shit off on Reddit? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, I, I, I would say there's a romantic comedy in this yes, right here. Right? <laughs> Find I, someone I will, who cares on Reddit. I, say, I responded to uh, Charlie's ad on several platforms. So it wasn't just Reddit. It was also, uh, what was it, DeviantArt and, um, well, I think. Pencil was, Jack, so, yeah. Pencil, yeah. I, I didn't respond to the Pencil Jack one, but yeah. All right. So I, mean, I did put out a very detailed ad in terms of what I was looking for. It was a big, long breakdown. Do you and, like you know, pina, pina coladas? coladas. <laughs> <laughs> Getting caught in the rain. Uh, but, but yeah, but the, the longer version of it is that um, you know, there was like, because I said I was going to pay something, there were so many submissions. And That's I don't always, know if you guys have ever liked that. As long as you say paid work, then people go, oh shit, this is going to be the jam. <laughs> um, and, and, and I was really fortunate because you know, I had worked in animation before. Uh, so I had some, some sense of, um, you know, of how to spot people who could draw, how, how to spot people who can tell a story. And one of my best friends was an animation storyboard director. And oh, so wow. he looked at like my, my top 10 submissions and he was like, oh, this is okay. This, oh no, this guy. He's like, <laughs> forget everything else that you have. This person, who are they? Why are they not known? Like this person is really talented. Um, so, so it made it easy. I, I went to Reddit and I had someone else do my homework for me. And uh, you know, they set us up and it seems to have worked out. You, you think? That's interesting. <laughs> I do. That's awesome. So from the advertisement that Charlie put out there, that was the kind of vibe that where where what Charlie's talking about, where you find someone that you collaborate with the, that really cares that advertisement was the first step to letting me know that like this guy really cares and like he's really dedicated to like what he's trying to create because oftentimes you can get a lot of advertisements or pitches from from writers where you know you're not really feeling like the energy and uh you know that was not the case here it's obvious because you guys have have really set uh the kickstarter universe afire uh, the book is also going to be out. If you missed the Kickstarter, you have plenty of time to still do it because this episode is going to be released sometime this week. So there'll still be at least like two weeks for you to get involved on this Kickstarter. But if you don't, you can still pick this book up. This book is going to go to the direct market, correct? Yeah, it, it'll eventually be out through Scout. Okay. We're, we, you know, we're, we're waiting till we have a full arc makes to sense. be able to release it. We, we started doing it and then we realized that we were, we were a little behind schedule. Um, okay. You're never behind schedule for Kickstarter in the same way that you're behind schedule for the direct market. And so we said, <laughs> you know what, we should go serve our Kickstarter market and then we'll come back to the direct market and they, they can get it in the way they like it, which is every month 
a new issue comes out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which is different versus we can give you two 60 page issues in a year on Kickstarter and people are very happy. Yeah, no, totally. You're right about that. And you can tell that they're happy because you've got the audience. They keep coming back. You, you keep bringing in more people. It's it's really fun to see, man. And it couldn't happen to to two nicer, uh, two nicer fellows. Where could I go and find this on Kickstarter? Like, how do I do this? Give me the URLs. Give me all the hot details. Well, you can go to whiteashcomic.com. That'll immediately link you to uh, the Kickstarter. So whiteashcomic.com. Um, if you're on Kickstarter, I think if you just search up White Ash, it'll pop up for you pretty quick. Um, it's also one of the most funded and most backed projects. That's always easy to find that way. If you're looking at like the, the big um, ones, um, that was a, that was a humble brag, that, right? That, there. Was, a, that was a nice flex. I mean, like, I, I think I'll, I'll say this, this, this is the 10th project that, uh, you know, I've been a part of on, on actually the 11th project I've been a part of and the 10th one I've done on Kickstarter. Um, so I, I am pretty proud of what we've been able to build together. And, um, you know, if, if it wasn't built on a foundation of community, I would feel, you know, less comfortable about saying these things, but I know like all the work that was put in building this community, building a series with, you know, with Connor and finding great people like, you know, you and, and Bob that, um, you know, that building of a community makes it easy, makes it easy for us. And we hope to be able to give back going down the line. And the next time you two are on Kickstarter, you know, making sure that you have that monster first day. Oh, well, we'll see how it oh. goes, man. I mean, we're just trying <laughs> we're not to work expecting it out. That. Yeah, but yeah. It's, 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 it's fun to watch. It's fun to see. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Connor at NYCC. He's such a nice guy. So you guys are just a good team. You're doing great work. And and congratulations, man. I, I hope this thing, yeah. run, away, run away. I mean, it's already a runaway success, but I mean, like, I just hope it further, keeps going further. and going and going. Yeah. And you guys can do all the, uh, all the stuff you want to do with this series. So... Well done. Well done, gentlemen. And, and, and like, you know, I mean, if, if people saw the free comic book day book of White Ash, if you remember, there was a Metal Shark Bro appearance on the boxer shorts. That's right. Of the yeah. free <laughs> yeah. comic book yeah. day. So fun. we're trying to bring you guys into the continuity of the White Ash universe. The White Ash point. universe. That's, I mean, so hey, man. Maybe, that's... Maybe, maybe we can do a crossover down the road. So let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's bring out the one shot to Kickstarter. You never that know. That would be awesome. Yeah, it's like uh, Usagi Yojimbo and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know? I mean, it, w- it would be a hell of an explanation about how these two paths crossed, but I, I dig it. I dig <laughs> I mean, it. I would think we, we could make awesome. it work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For 30 pages, I think we can make it work. <laughs> hey, that's, that's your guys' job, right? You got to make it work on the right. Yeah, end, totally, totally, <laughs> totally. I just want to see you draw Metal Shark Bro sexy like you do uh, the, the elves. That'd be my jam right there. He's got the he's got he's got the nips for it. <laughs> he's gonna have all sexy the Ira. Yeah, <laughs> sexy what? Sorry. Sexy Ira. That's what. I, that's that's. Yeah. I mean, that's hard to make sexy. So I no, mean, because he's got the tendrils. He can make the tendrils look like whatever shape he wanted. I mean, yeah, yeah. but it's a flying eyeball. It's never I'm sexy. Saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, <laughs> guys. Congratulations. You know, it doesn't matter. People are. I was just gonna say, people are into everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's not kink shame. I'm not kink shaming your 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 sexy eye. I, I I'm the one who thought of it, so like let's, I'm fine with it. Let's do it. We'll, we'll put some abs on it. We'll we'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much well, for having us. Thank you, Kevin. Charlie Stickney and Connor Hughes. They are the brain trust behind White Ash, which is just a runaway smash hit success on Kickstarter. If you want to know how to do Kickstarter, Charlie's got it lined up. He got they're just good, man. They're just good. They got a great book. They got a great audience. They got a great following. Good for them. Couldn't happen to nicer people. Right. Go to go to Kickstarter, search for White Ash, or just go to whiteashcomic.com. That's Ash A S H White Ash Comic and get your uh your white ash on, baby.
your your sexy elves. Yeah. yeah. Hey man, it's good. It's a good ass book. It's not just sexy elves. It is. No, it's, it's good writing. It's good world building. It's quality lore. Like it's a really really good book. Great so, characters. Yeah. Great art. Yeah. So get involved with White Ash today on Kickstarter, Kevin. Yes, Bob. It's always a pleasure. It is. It's always it's always great hanging out with you for this uh, hour of our lives. Yeah, man. Every every Tuesday. Yeah, man. All right. Well, you guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, I believe Dave Shite and uh, and Scoot are coming on. Oh, our buddies. Dave yeah, Scheidt they'll and be Scoot. on next week talking about their new book, Slam, from Oni, which is coming out of wrestling. The Agents of Slam. It's yeah. about wrestling, and uh, you guys know how we like to talk about wrestling on the show. So it's going to be us talking to Dave and Scoot about wrestling and Wendy's, I believe. And we're also going to talk about Dave's habit of going to restaurants and not bringing money. <laughs> Where we will we will out Dave on his on his. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On his restaurant, uh, his, like, his, his, his hitch, rest- hitchhiking or whatever. It's restaurant etiquette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. and, and I'm sure there will be talk of Skyline Chili out of Scoot. So. Gross. 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 <laughs> so tune in for all of that. Yeah. And it's more. Gonna be, it's going to be a good show. So thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. <laughs>